When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's review. When we last left off, Orimar and and oh, I should bring up my notes so I remember names for characters. I can guarantee you that ninety percent of the names you're trying to think of start with a D. Start with a D. Yeah, that's (laughs) true. That's an easy lead-in. That's also helpful and extremely not helpful. (laughs) Near the end of last session, I put a list down of names so I didn't. So we have Zona, we have Dina Durf, we have Daryl Durf, we have Uh Daddy Douglas. We have Dantonia and uh, Maitland Grim Reaper, Elton. Ooh. Oh, Travis Dadigo. Yeah. <laughs> Maitland Elton. I, I don't remember this I character's know. voice, so I'm just going to be changing the voice entirely, and I'll let the audience know that. This is actually probably the cold open, I've realized now. <laughs> Hi, audience. This is the cold open. <laughs> I... Can't remember. I can't remember what voice I did for a character. I also think I remember at the time going, This, I did not prepare for this character to speak at all. This voice is going to have no sauce to it whatsoever. Uh-huh. So now all I have is Maitland Elton to, to lead me down. And hopefully the character gets more distinct or worse. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Right into the show, please write at Johnny and Brief on Twitter if you mm-hmm. have any complaints. <laughs> And I'll ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> A fun tour. Dum dum ba dum 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 ba dum 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 Great, 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 great. Okay, so Captain Dantonia and Oromar were hanging out. Dantonia said outright that she is Jonnet's mother, mm-hmm. and and by extension, Zana's mother, and by extension, of course, Douglas's, I guess, estranged wife. I don't know if it counts as estranged if, if you thought she was dead for years. I, I don't know how that works. But we have on the other side of things, Douglas and Jonnet are currently together, hot on the trail of, I believe they have realized that there was some red feather interference with, with their operation keeping track of griffins, and that in fact the red feathers are once again after the Kessler family recipe, which is a feed that is extremely good for uh, helping griffins grow exactly the way that you need them to. So so you're looking for them there. Then we have Travis and Gable. Travis and Gable are 
currently waiting for Jonnet because Jonnet is supposed to join them and pretend to hunt for Travis, who is currently shapeshifted into a big turkey. And they're just hanging out. And we have, as I realized, Hip did not join Jonnet and Douglas on, on their thing. So we have no idea where Hip is right now. Mm. So that's the thing for me to figure out. <laughs> I'd like to turn to Travis and Gable. Mm. You've got nothing but time right now. The urgency of probably whatever activity that you're waiting for is like kind of waning. Do you know that improv exercise where you're like trapped in an elevator together, but it's long past the time where you would be talking about the elevator and you're talking about other things. It's now you're kind of in that sort of free space with each other. You've got Travis, who is a big Turkey um, and also happens to be shapeshifted into a Turkey. And we've got Gable um, being friends with a big Turkey. (laughs) We talked about, the fact that Travis has Gable's name already. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I just want to give these characters a little bit of room to breathe. Uh, oh, right now. <laughs> yeah, right now. I think unless you wanted time to gather your thoughts. Yeah. I would squander it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right. So we return to a night sky over Acheron. The few dwindling stars in the sphere sky twinkling as the ambient sounds of the bugs that live and breed within the long grass that surrounds Acheron sing their nighttime songs. We are at the edge of a forest. The forest exists in the distance, like a shadowy and silent threat. Okay, so, brainstorm with me. Say we knew we had a week, and then we were done. Like, dying, right? What would you do second to last? Not like the last thing you did, like the second to last thing. I think... (laughs) What was that? Oh, it's just... It's just my cat. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Not a turkey. Fair enough. I think I would, I would go to a bar Uh and I would find the biggest, scariest, most magical looking person there. Uh Uh-huh. And I'd challenge them to a real high stakes game of Illamat. Ooh. And when I won... I'd buy the whole bar drinks. That's fun. But that's And then not... I would leave before paying the bill. Okay, yes. <laughs> but that's not like different from what you would normally do. Well, no, but it's it's fun and I'd want to do it one last time. You know, the the last things you do don't have to be new things. That's a good point. I do the things that I like to do for a reason. Hmm. What would you do? I came at it a completely different way. I just want to do exclusively new things because mm. it feels like there's an infinite amount of things that I won't be able to. So I thought like cliff diving or. Mm. But wouldn't you be sad to never do your favorite thing again, to know that you've already done your very favorite thing for the last time? And maybe you don't even remember how it went. 
feel like I would want to do my very favorite thing as the last thing. Hmm. Hmm. But then again, the hypothetical, who who's to say when we would even know? You wouldn't know. So do you just keep on trying to do your favorite thing, not knowing Over that? and over. Over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> Hmm. It's like that thing you've heard that thing where it's like one day you know your parent picks you up for the and puts you down for the last time, and they never pick you up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like that, but skipping a bar tab. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember your parents, or is that just? Oh, I, oh, I, <laughs> I remember them. I have a question. Yes. Two uh, two questions. Gable mm-hmm. does not know. I don't think I do. Do I? No, not. I'm trying to remember if there are any unresolved angel feather memories that we might have. You know, what we can do in this situation mm-hmm. is we can have Gable asking that question and Travis going, oh, I remember shaking something loose Mm. so gable you your face i think like you you have that that mask of someone who you know has just asked a question for the first time that that feels like the answer is something that you should already have you've known this person so long but you so rarely have the opportunity for idle conversation with them that you simply don't And after the question leaves your mouth and you watch Travis's turkey face move through the complicated emotions of someone who is remembering the abuses of terrible people who left his life now almost 200 years ago, you suddenly remember fire. Not seeing fire, but the experience of being fire. It's something that is so close to you now after your memories with the morning star were unlocked. After being able to recall all of the wrath that you visited in your past, you suddenly feel a familiarity to that wrath, to that judgment. As you looked into the threads, the strands and strings that guide the universe along its many paths, looked into those paths for a very young boy who is now unmistakably a gigantic turkey. (laughs) Oh. And I think even more than that, Gable, you remember judging the wicked hearts of the people that you struck down in that alley. You know, I remember them. I remember disliking them a lot. But somehow it's all overshadowed by the way I lost them. It was the it was the start of well, all of this really. And I can't say I'm sad that I lost them. But, you know, sometimes I do think it might have been nice to skip the bar tab one last time. Oh, boy. 
This is really interesting, Gable. Really interesting. The the one thing that I, I want to add to this before you respond is you know exactly, almost, more or less, give or take, how things would have gone if they had been around. You peered into the possibilities of their future before making the decision to end their lives. And this is something that you, as someone who has held angelic power, grapple with as you try to relate to people who have not. There is no way you are going to believe me when I say I didn't know something until right now. Why wouldn't I believe that? You you know almost nothing. Okay, well. (laughs) The shocking thing is that you know something now. Okay. Not that you just learned it. Well, all right. Um, um. <laughs> Liz, what, what is Gable's posture like? Because I pictured, I had pictured this scene like Gable sort of leaning back into the feathers of a big turkey initially, but I feel like this might be shifting that around. I just want to, uh, I want to know what got, the scene like, picture is. Very sweaty and stood up and started like pacing and like picking up a stick from the uh from the ground and started like taking leaves off of it like okay okay um okay uh and i think without even thinking gable just is going to try and not even try they cast a spell that is similar to the spell from the grand fire to show travis what happened Oh, I like that. Liz, tell me what it looks like for Gable to cast this spell. Well, it's the it's a conversation. So Gable hasn't really told anyone like what has happened in their in their mind since Dominion. So Right. Travis they're Travis like okay, so uh yeah the, I, I, I just recently got a, a lot of memories and I've been dealing with that like kind of internally having things and there are things like in my past that I didn't know about that I am now still fully responsible for. And I don't take that responsibility away from myself because it was still me, but it's still things that I didn't know up until now. And I've been moving through the world in a way that I didn't, I didn't know. And in, while they're talking, they're just kind of like bringing up a lot of leaves from the ground and kind of absentmindedly holding those, those leaves and kind of rubbing them together. And that friction is making things a little bit hot and so accidentally starting a little bit of a campfire situation through the through the pacing and in the same way like, like oh we need we need to make a fire anyway so i'm just going to make a fire it's, it's it's okay and so just using all that nervous magic energy to put it all together and so when when i say this i i would normally not tell you because that's that's just the way we, we don't tell each other things because our uh, we we just don't. But I made made a promise to you and to Margaret, and so um, <laughs> um okay. And then that's that's when it starts. They they light a match and just set that whole pile of leaves on fire. Yeah, and I think 
there is like the slow like creep of embers over the fire and then like kind of a gold silver like creep back in as the fire takes on the quality of the grand fire and responds to your tale providing you know that that kind of visual experience of the story travis i think around you it feels as though this fire like creeps over all of the grass and you are once again surrounded by flames no longer an adult certainly not a man but also no longer a big turkey give or take you feel like a little boy a little boy who is lost in a world that is falling apart fire is raining down from the sky there is screaming and smoke all around you and there is no safe place to go and you hear the shouts of your mother and father behind you and as you turn to look at them the flames overtake them too it is not violent and horrible as it should be to see someone consumed by flames there is a part of it even in all of the horror of the world unfolding around you there is a part of it that it at its heart is mercy and then you feel the flames turn to look at you to pierce you to your core I think at this so Tra- Travis as a turkey was sitting I imagine him sitting in a way that a turkey wouldn't sit but like on his butt with his turkey legs sticking out in front <laughs> yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think I realizing that seeing this he is able to sort of shake himself back to the present and he stands up as the large turkey and like moves towards Gable and I think he like he towers over them and then uses his big turkey foot to like knock them down to the ground and then looks down over them hell yeah how long have you known I knew you wouldn't believe me but it's just this moment that's this long when I knew you knew You know, it's funny, because I think in a way, I've known. It makes sense. Why wouldn't it have been you? It always is, isn't it? It, That's the Hancock of it all. (laughs) Hancock, a very famous play. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know if the way you see things in the magical fire... Is that the way they were or the way that you remember them? My assumption is that is the way I remember. Hmm. Because that's all I have is what my own memories say. I think I like the way you remember it better. Gable pats the big turkey foot (laughs) on their chest. (laughs) (laughs) And I... I think... There's a version of me somewhere in the past who's gone through less growth and development over the course of a few weeks. 
a few months at this point. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Who would be angry and who would fight and yell? But I think maybe it's because I saw this while I was a giant turkey. Or maybe because I've always known and I've gone through so much impressive growth and development. Past few weeks, yeah. But I think I'll just choose your memory. And then Travis, like, takes his foot off and reaches down and, like, picks them up kind of by the (laughs) the jacket or whatever with his beak. Mm -hmm. But... Just know I could have squashed you with my big bird foot if I wanted. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> I and am I... sorry. No, I, then never mind. <laughs> no, you are. I, but I, I mean, you, sh- you should be, but. I, kind of. I am sorry. As sorry as one can be for and killing their friend's parents many centuries ago. Here's the thing. I said. I'm not sad that it happened, but it's still weird, you know? But I I do think learning this, realizing it, also made me realize something else. What's that? I know the second to last thing I would do would be to go to the bar and play the game and buy the drinks but not pay for them. And I don't know what the last thing I'll do would be, but I can't help but think you'll be there. I think so, too. It's a perfect time to cut away. But what's the third thing that you want yeah. to do? Yeah. If I could have one Christmas wish... <laughs> <laughs> Hey heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, I want to take a few moments in this mid-roll to point some things out. First of all, uh, people have pointed it out uh, over the last couple episodes. We definitely hecked up the timeline uh, of Oromar's age and the time when Jonnet's mother's ship uh, would have been, you know, boarded by Oromar and uh, she would have disappeared. She must have disappeared between like 10 and 12 years ago because Jonnet is only 16 years old. And Oromar has been pirating since his teens and is now in at least his mid-50s. So uh, the the age that we had for Oromar in the flashbacks just doesn't work out. We completely were not thinking of the timeline overall, so we, we made a mistake there. I just wanted to acknowledge it. The actual timeline is different, I guess. You get to enjoy this nice alternate universe of what if Oromar was much younger and uh, Nathan still got to do all the cool voice tricks uh, when that happened. This is the nature of an improvised narrative. You, you don't really get to edit. The other thing that I wanted to point out and apologize for a little bit is we haven't had a lot of Diru Hurus lately. Um, When we recorded these episodes, I had a lot of guest performers. Uh, It is 
difficult to schedule with guest performers. It's difficult to schedule with our regular cast. At a certain point, just getting so many people in the same place at the same time uh, is one of the biggest challenges to doing this show. Um, and for that, I wanted to make sure I got as much of the performer time as I possibly could devoted to story. So there were long stretches and long recording sessions where we just didn't record Dear Uhurus. And also because the time when these episodes were recorded were so close to the birth of my child, Project Falcon, there were at least one or two canceled recordings or skipped time slots between recordings where we had planned to record more Dear Uhurus. It'll be, I think, a couple more weeks before Diru who returns to the show, but that is coming back. In the meantime, if you are a Patreon backer at the $10 level or more, you can submit your submissions for the new round of Diru Hurus. Even if you've submitted before, it's opened up for you to submit again. Head over to the Patreon and check out our guidelines for submitting Diru Hurus. There are a lot of things that you can do with it, and I would love to see more for the next time the cast is together. Before we get back to the show, I want to thank everyone who supports us on Patreon. We would not be able to do this show without you. That money supports this show top to bottom. Everything that you hear is owed in some part to the support of the people who join us on Patreon. So if you like what you hear, I encourage you to head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and sign up to be a backer. If you sign up at the $5 level or more, you get access to Skyjack's bonus content. And if you sign up at that $10 level, you can add your own Dear Uhurus, which could mean you add a brand new member to the Uhuru crew. A huge thanks to everyone who supports us already, and everyone who will support us in the future. Now then, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky! So let's jump. And I think where we are going to jump to is, again, outside of the silo that houses the Kessler family recipe. We've got Maitland Elton, the red feather agent. I would like from one of you a, a distinctive physical quality of Maitland Elton. His outfit i mean obviously everybody in the red feathers wears red as part of their their deal but maitland elton <laughs> is a snickety kind of person and wanted a like specific shade of blood red beetle carapaces were involved in getting the dye to this kind of color it was expensive oh yeah i like the idea that like they're carrying lanterns and those lanterns you know have a that flickering flame inside them and so there is a slightly like kind of iridescent quality to this red it is very much like the glitter fabrics that we have like it kind of feels like that maybe a little bit more muted it's got those emerald beetles that that have that real sparkly sheen it's like a red version of that woven into fabric be sure to plunder everything that you can find. We we don't know what is useful, and if this is going to be worth anything at all, we need to be able to reproduce it. And then, from the shadows behind them in the night, we hear the click of a firearm being armed. 
I think all of you have gone just about far enough. The lanterns whirl around, and in the dim light available, and this is a brighter night than most would be, as the moon is nearly full, it should reach its apex tomorrow night, we see Hip holding up a pistol. Revolver pointed at uh, one of the four chamber revolvers that is popular in this world, leveled against the crowd of men who are moving through this silo. If you value your lives, I want you to put down your arms and raise your hands. I know, both of us know, all of us know. I'm probably only going to be able to get two or three of you. You just got to ask yourself the question, if you'll be one of the two or three. Now, now, I'm sure we can come to some kind of an arrangement. I thought we had dispatched with the local flavor of guard, but... I'm willing to part with a little bit of coin if it means that myself and my men make ourselves on our merry way. We take what we need to take here tonight. You and your little community won't hear from us ever again. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) Yeah, well, perhaps if you were talking to the local flavor of guard, a couple coins might work. Maybe the local flavor of God in another area, but you're here in Acheron, and you're talking to Hip, and you happen to be plundering the silo of my best friend in the whole damn world. I yeah, go would ahead. like to use one of my abilities, please. Oh, yes. Here we go. So, for those who don't remember, because I have used this once before, but it was a little while ago, one of our Amar's mm-hmm. abilities is called Dramatic Entrance. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Once possession, <laughs> your character may spend a story point, which I guess is a luminary draw in this, how we're doing this. Yes, so that will determine the quality of mm-hmm. your appearance. Uh, to use this talent, to enter the scene or encounter they are not currently participating in at an opportune time, no matter how unlikely their arrival. Shut up. <laughs> that is what the ability I have says. Drawn, <laughs> I have drawn a luminary. No matter how unlikely. Nathan, because of the luminary that I drew, I have to set up the frame for you to appear, mm-hmm. um, which may affect kind of the decisions you make immediately. Sure, sure. With that, uh, with, with, with Hip's statement we see this red feather agent sort of taking center frame. We see Maitland step in front of the other red feather agents and, you know, raise his hands in a pacifying gesture. All right, all right. Everyone, stand down, stand down. Obviously, I hoped to solve this problem with gold. But sometimes that's just not in the cards. And with hands that move faster than the eye can perceive, and a coat that shimmers in a way that tricks the eye a little bit, one might question why you would wear something so shiny and sparkly in a mission that is supposed to be covert. 
the truth reveals itself. I think with the fast movement, the coat presents a visual effect that's similar to the the trails of light that you see in Acura, where it's mm-hmm. just like an image of his arm is left kind of behind where it was. And faster than you can imagine, he draws a pistol from his hip and the night lights up as a bullet fires. And we see that hip is hit and falls down as I have drawn the island. Jeez. Nathan, that's your stage. Yes. So there is a movement behind like a, it almost feels like there is a passing cloud, but the sky is clear. And they look, one of the other members of this gang look back and they see, lit by the moon, a figure in the air. A few moments ago, do you believe that uh, Oromar and uh, Dan- Captain D'Antonio were still kind of together? Mm-hmm. In, in that kind of period of time, Oromar is like, well, I must be going. There is a number of uh, uh, things that my crew are going to be doing tonight, and I need to make sure that they are all doing well. Although I've not seen Jonat Kessler recently. However, the captain smiles. I've been working on something recently, and I've been dying to check it out. And he raises up his right hand. It is a, uh, a big padded glove. In fact, it is a glove we recognize. It is the falconer's mitt that he borrowed from Gable a little while ago. And uh, embedded in the hand is a, like a large like square block of wood with what seems to be kind of like a, a lighter arrangement attached to it, kind of jury rigged to it. In fact, it is the uh, rope lighter that uh, Oromar borrowed from from Travis. And he grabs the the wick of the rope lighter and pulls like a ripcord. And the friction causes the block of wood to catch a light. Nothing happens for a couple seconds. And then you see spidery, thin lines emanate from the rapidly heating wood. Strings that are reacting to the temperature of the wood. Could this be embroidered feather weaves thread oh. as we see it golden glowing crawl up his arm and spread across like his back and embroidered into the kind of like neck and kind of like shoulder part there, there, there's a yeah the upper shoulders of the coat an embroidered pattern as Aramar looks to D'Antonia winks and putting a ton of kind of like physical force into the muscles in his legs takes a running start and leaps into the air. Wow. The featherweave thread, heated and not carrying something as large as an entire ship, keeps him airborne. Not flying, but gliding. Damn. Cool. Wow. We get like a sweeping view, an aerial shot. Of, of, of the town as Oromar kind of like pans into frame looking down to see if he can find uh, the members of his crew the members of the council but instead what he sees <laughs> you see the, the night light up with a, with the sound and fire of a gunshot and now returning to the present moment they see a man descend from the air, 
glowing dreads caught in the wind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this has got to be one of those three-point anime landings. Hell yeah. Let's do that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's like a whoosh as like the air that Ormar is displacing like moves moves to the side. We can see Ormar with, with, with his locks like fluttering in, in the mad rush of wind that comes with falling from the sky very, very quickly. And we can see that his face is underlit by the faint glow of the blood red fading weave. Now, I believe I just saw a gunshot. What's going on over here? He says, standing casually. Yeah, Hip lets out a groan. You seen Hip earlier mm-hmm. this night. You recognize his voice. He held a gun up to your head and, and screamed at you. That's not a voice that typically people forget very, very quickly. You very quickly look over. It is easy to assess the uniforms of Red Feather agents. What do you do? Let's cut to the chase. You're going to turn around and go back to whatever wretched ship you came from. And that'll be the end of your evening. Sorry to cut. Dinner short before dessert. What is it with this town and producing people out of the shadow of the night who assume they have the upper hand when they are clearly outnumbered? <laughs> and he takes a shot at you. Mm-hmm. Please shoot me. I dare you. Yeah, but I guess, I mean, I I gotta, I guess I gotta roll for it. I guess we are playing a role-playing I game. I mean, I can do, do there's a, there's an endurance stat for Oromar, so we can just see how well he takes the bullet instead, if you want to do it that way around. I mean, actually, yeah, yeah. Why don't you roll for me against, uh, yeah, why, why don't you roll your endurance and just tell me what you come up with? We don't need an against for mm-hmm. it. We rolled endurance last time, and I've immediately forgotten where it is on the sheet because I am uh, good at tabletop RPGs. Resilience! There we go. That's because it's called something else. Okay, that is a yellow and three green against what? Yellow and three green, I I don't think we're going to do an against because what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the damage of this weapon mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're just saying, like, this is kind of a weird active soak because what Oromar is, I guess, doing in this moment is, I'm going to get shot, but I'm also dead, so getting shot doesn't really matter. Oh, yeah. We're going to no-sell the attack yeah. to intimidate, for sure. Ugh. Yeah. So. Ooh, that's a hit on all sixes. Uh, that is four successes. Oh, my four God. Four successes. Ooh. Boom. Ooh. I think that is just three. Well, I, I should I should roll something actually I, should, <laughs> I, I do need to I, like i know internal. the damage of the damage of a pistol is is six i believe mm-hmm. but I, I do need to know if there are any net successes on top of that so seven damage overall minus the four that's three what is your soak, My soak value is also four. Oh, then nothing gets through mm-hmm. please tell me exactly what this looks like nathan yeah i, I think he tries to go for a hot shot He's uh, very, this, this, he, he might have just tried to shoot to wound uh, Hip, but he's no longer playing. And uh, yeah, lines up the shot. He's well-trained. He's done this a bunch of times before and shoots Oromar directly where his heart should be. The body reels, but remains standing. 
as he's leaning back at like a 30, 40 degree angle. Yes! And then slowly, the body just writes itself. Sharp bones jut out from his left hand and the captain smiles. My turn. Let's cut over to the back of a griffin chicken. Father and son feeling the wind rush over them as they hurry towards this very silo. I think Jonnet is going to tap his dad on the shoulder and just kind of like offer up the the Kasari Gama. And he's like, do you need this? James, let me ask you a question going back. Mm -hmm. Because the whole thing happened where there was the the gift exchange and then the issue between Oromar, Hip, and and, and Douglas, and Jonnet stepped outside for that. Mm-hmm. During yes. that time, I could I pretty sure Douglas had the Kusari Gama. Oh. Mobby. Oh, or did I have boy. something else? That's what I'm not a hundred percent sure of. I'm not a hundred percent that I remember that either. It is simply too long ago, and I have replaced all memories of my job <laughs> with memories of my child's mm-hmm. face. How dare you? So I just <laughs> simply just cannot recall. Uh, okay, so. Well, then we we can I can. No, I mean can, we can go with that. I would just I I didn't know if if I had it or not. And if you know, there's a to, chance that you have it, oh boy, to save Johnny from getting you know copious emails. That's what I was trying to you know, yeah, get everything yeah. straight. So. <laughs> and if there are continuity errors, we definitely need you to be sending them not to Johnny, but to JPC. That there we go. Okay, yeah. there we go. Yeah, yeah. JPC at hotmail.net, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, actually, no, I have a better idea. <laughs> I don't think we ever discussed this, James, mm-hmm. but from the long before what Douglas's signature weapon was oh i don't think we did no i'm looking through the notes i never did you know what i'm gonna i'm just gonna yeah okay all right all right we can we can go from that well we'll go from the from the the jonnet offering the uh kusari gama okay uh so jonnet taps his dad on the shoulder shows up the kusari gama do you need this and douglas uh just writing uh is gonna look back look at it and go no actually i think I think this will be a good test for you to see how you do with it. Don't worry, I got. And he smiles. You like something clicks, and then he smiles a little bit. And he's like, "No, nah, I got something. I got the perfect thing." And they keep riding towards. Okay, and I think in this moment, John, it kind of comes back to like the back of the the Griffin Chicken, and he just takes another look at the Kasari Gama, the present day version, and not his old slash future version and just like how the blade is like sharpened to such a defined point and he just kind of like takes that in in the in the moonlight and then like he kind of puts it at his side and gets ready again so are we heading straight towards the silo at this point or are we just heading back towards the farm i I feel like it would make sense that 
between the far uh, the stables, which we just like checked mm-hmm. on, the next thing on the list would be to like check the silos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, high value yeah. targets. I think. I think. I think that's where we're going to have to go. With yeah, this. that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. So uh, I think as as we're approaching the silos, you're going to notice that that he kind of goes a little off course, not by even like a minute or so. But instead of going straight to the silos themselves, like a spot where he usually keeps tools or just kind of th- projects that he's going to work on that, you know, he, pretty much his junk pile. Yeah. He goes over to that, hops off the, the, the griffin real quick, and kind of just moves a lot of it, kind of pushes a pile of it to the side. You see just this this dusty, rusted over box that has you don't ever remember seeing him open. He's gonna take that, grab a hammer, and just break the lock on it. Not, you know, not even just not trying to, to open it gently or anything. He just breaks the lock, opens it, and you see him pull out two tonfas. Oh, and he's going to, yeah, he's going to, and, and the thing is, it's not like the, the usual ones where it's just kind of like, uh, uh, you know, the handle and then the tomfa. this is kind of fit onto a glove. Mm-hmm. And so you see him just like, you see him just put these gloves on and there's like, like at the bottom part, there's just two rods there and you see him flick his hands real quick and they flip out and then he flicks and they flip back. And then he just walks back to the Griffin. Like nothing happened, gets back on and you guys start heading towards the, uh, silo. Uh, uh, when was the last time you used those? Before you were even a thought. Uh, I think John is going to resist the urge to say that's, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely not going to say that. But everything about him just like seeing his dad like essentially suit up is like dope. Let's cut back to the the action scene with Oromar. I, I think everybody who's going to be in this fight scene. So that that is going to be Nathan, Bees, Tyler. Let's get an initiative roll from you. Okay, so I rolled uh, I rolled two greens mm -hmm. and got uh, Mm -hmm. three advantages. Three advantages. Okay, so just as a refresher, because it's been ten million years since uh, (laughs) combat has appeared on this program, those advantages they're going into a collective pool where Mm -hmm. everybody is going to be able to add elements to this battle. And you know, we're going to say Johnny and Liz can add those elements, even if their characters are not present, Mm. because they're having a little a little turkey sleepover where they talk about all the terrible things that they've done to each other, sort of cosmically (laughs) in their very long history together. (laughs) They can still add like, uh, and now there's a horse or whatever. Okay, well, you took mine, so I guess two horses? <laughs> the horse on a horse. <laughs> two horses in a um, trench coat. I got I got two successes. Two successes? I got okay. two successes and two advantages. Oh, great. Okay, it looks like first up is going to be, you said two successes, two advantages, Nathan? Mm-hmm. The battle is is yours for right now. You can see that there are about five people. There's this person in this sparkly coat in front of you, mm-hmm. and there are two other people. Uh, there are four other people who are inside the silo. Importantly, there are also griffins here, mm. specifically barn owls. <gasps> Big They're owls. huge cool. and terrifying. Wow, Gable and Travis. Would you like to be involved in the combat? Or are you good? Because I have a way to opt you in if you would like to be involved. Sure. All right, cool. (laughs) 
yeah, we've got Inspiring Cry, which mm. basically I just want to use my big, big lungs to just kind of yell that Red Feathers are here as my action. Just to essentially put out a clarion call of these people showing up. I think I think we can we can do this differently. It's not a big shout, but it's going to be Nathan. You have this cosmic connection to Travis, mm. so there is going to be a way that you can just make Travis aware that this is the mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, is there a role to that, or am I just going to give vibes? I think instead of a role. Uh, what I'll do is I'll pull a luminary here to see how the vibes shift. Mm. (laughs) Oh gosh. So I pulled the echo. The echo. So I just need to. Have we gotten that one before? Yeah, I'm like, what? What's the echo? Who does echo? Yeah, you know, there are luminaries that have been kind of in the deck uh, that have just not come up, which (laughs) makes the fact that we have so many recurring luminaries even spookier. I was going to say, you you know, for the first 100 episodes, James only had a deck of five cards. Ah. And (laughs) it wasn't until after that 100th episode that he put more in there. Like yeah, when we when we pulled something, I just put it right back. Uh-huh. <laughs> the expansion. So the echo, <laughs> the themes here are deja vu, illusions, and repetition. Oh, sure. We've never had no. Yeah. This is no. We've we've never had the echo before. So I'll, I'll read the, the the divination information for it. Oh no! You, the you, echo is a phenomenon that happens all over sphere, though it occurs more frequently in some places than others. People experience memories of moments they are currently living or see shades of the past of past and future events. Some see the echo as a blessing to make peace with one's past, an opportunity to gain advantage by glimpsing what's to come or a burden of haunting phantoms. Most claim that the echo can only be experienced or observed, though there are some stories of folk who have, by luck, wit, or will, reached through time and changed fate. Mm. So, since we've already established that, that Travis is in the middle of kind of like getting glimpses of their past and understandings therein, you get another, un- in this instance now entirely unprompted by Gable, just a flash, and you remember vividly, like, sense memory, the fight we had against the Rowdy Rs mm. on the ship when Daisy went down and Oromar's immediate kind of visceral, almost feral reaction to that, as then you then felt that too, that, that emotion between the two of you was shared and that that kind of, you know kicked in the fight of the fight and flight response you get that memory but for some reason this time it's different all the rowdy R's look like red feathers whether you've even had much encounters with red feathers directly it feels like they are red feathers and they are reduplicating themselves like a kaleidoscope until they all shoot into a single mm. form glittering in blood red and yeah that that feeling kind of like echoes and pulls at you in the in the distance i have a question before i act on this uh-huh will it be bad <laughs> to see uh, everybody with the big turkey. <laughs> Probably. Here's the thing. Maybe. You don't know. 
you know, Jonnet has done precious little, I think, to prepare you for what this custom is and, and your role in it. You know, you, you're somewhat aware that you're like trying to cheat the system by be pretending to be a turkey that Jonnet has captured. But apart from that, you're not sure if a big turkey comes in to help Ormar in this situation, if that is going to spoil the whole bit. Or you can just pretend that your turkey, like Batman, shows up where needed and then fades into the night to fight crime another day. Okay. Well, that's that's all I needed then. Mm. I'm a different bird. <laughs> so I think Travis, like, upon seeing this vision or, or, or memory, just, like, stands up and grabs Gable by the jacket again. No, no. (laughs) And I think just tosses them up onto his, like over onto his back (laughs) so that he can just run. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. The history of role-playing games is weird and wild, and we here at System Mastery are determined to look through it all. Every heartbreaker that drove a man to bankruptcy to see his vision of D&D with really specific armor maintenance rules come to fruition. Every game where you get increasingly certain as you read it that this is all just one person's weird fetish. Every system that painstakingly recreates how medieval life was really like, and then also you can cast Fireball. The System Mastery podcast wallows in the filth of RPG history. Come, join us in the muck at System Mastery. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like All My Fantasy Children. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, world building, and storytelling podcast powered by you. Each week, best friends Aaron Catano Saez and Jeff Stormer take a listener-submitted prompt and, using some of their favorite tabletop RPGs, create an original fantasy character. Along the way, they populate a shared universe one story at a time. They share laughs, stories, and verbal hugs along the way. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. You can stream his short film, Lining, on the Roku channel for free. Just search for the shortlist, Summer. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony. 
who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists, and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system, designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. And once for our friends near rise, twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.